Welcome to the second episode. So this episode definitely went a lot smoother than the first. Uh, I wasn't trying to use earphones or anything like that to record. I just used my phone, and I, I think the audio quality is going to be a lot better. Um, if you have any questions for me, please shoot me a DM on Instagram, and I will reply to it on the podcast. Or if you go to the Anchor link there, you can kind of leave a voice mo- memo for me, and uh, I'll play it on here and, and reply to you. Any any questions at all, by all means, join the conversation. Um, with that, there's one last thing I want to mention. I hope everybody enjoyed the GameStop resurgence this past week, weeks now, I guess. Uh, that's a very interesting story. I'm excited to see how it plays out. I have no horse in this race. Um, I'm just somebody who took finance in school and has, has kept up with the financial world and is kind of a nerd for economics and all that fun stuff and a policy dork and all that kind of you know, super, it makes me very interesting at parties to, to talk about, you know, economic policy and the implications of tax rates and stuff like that. I'm, I'm a hoot. Uh, but for me, it's pretty interesting to see how this is going to play out. Um, you know, I'm of the opinion that you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. If, uh, in, in this case, Wall Street, a couple Wall Street hedge funds were playing a stupid game. Um, you know, they, they underestimated risk and when you underestimate your risk it comes back to bite you every single time so i'm excited to see how it plays out maybe we can talk about it more afterwards we maybe be able to get somebody on the on the on the uh, podcast that knows a bit more than i do or even have somebody that just wants to shoot the shit with me about it so we'll see we will see now without more chit chatting on my end my guest this week is nash mendez he started a blog website and a podcast called beyond the bake sale with his good friend christian and it focuses on how um, volunteers and not-for-profits can really get more out of their their fundraising efforts and, and to think beyond the bake sale. And we kind of talk about that. Um, he mentions that there was a, uh, a cupcake on his, on his website. They mentioned that there was a cupcake that really was just awful. And they thought that there must be a better way to do fundraising than just trying to sell, you know, university kids who are really penny-pinching to begin with. Um, these terrible cookies and these terrible muffins and these cupcakes that just taste like they haven't really been baked properly. Uh, so through his nonprofit work and the volunteering, he's raised a ton of money for charitable causes. Him and Christian combined, I think they say $1 million, which is a ridiculous sum of money um, to have raised by, you know, two people who, who are still very young in their, in their careers. Um, so we do talk about his charity work, his podcast, and we do get into some discussion about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Nash is a good friend of mine, and we go check out. Uh, we we are those people who are at the premieres and movies, you know, the night of at ten o'clock on a Thursday, lined up, ready to go, trying to get the first tickets to to see the first showing, so that we do get we get no spoilers um, going into it. We're those we're those people who show up to work the next day, just like buzzing on uh on on the movies we watched we've we've gone i think we've seen the past two or three star wars movies a lot of the most recent marvel movies as well we've seen on opening night um so we're excited to get through this pandemic and be able to go see more movies on opening night um just take part of that experience again so without further ado here's the always interesting nash mendez Welcome, Nash, to the podcast. Thank you for being my second guest. Uh, first things first, what are you drinking today? Well, first off, thank you for having me, Ryan. And what I'm drinking is, hey, y'all, it's a hard iced tea, the alcoholic malt beverage drink. Nice, nice. I like it. Well, I've heard about it. I've uh, had a buddy of mine tell me that uh, he's out west and he was saying that it's actually delicious. It is delicious. Um, my one of my fraternity brothers, Eric Lauer, happens to be one of their brand ambassadors as well, and has them as a client. So he sends them out to all of us like small samples all the time. So definitely shout out to Eric for introducing me to Hey All <laughs> for the free alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it is it sweet? Because like I don't, I'm trying to think of. There's like a vodka spritzer that came out that everybody was super. Oh, White Claw. And yes, uh, White Claw. It's funny enough, my fiance Kayla happened yeah. to offer me she's like do you want to take a white claw i was like you know what 
no, I'm okay. I feel like it's too fruity for me. I wanted something nice and mellow. So this mm. is a Georgia peach hard iced tea flavor, and it's really, really good. I really enjoy it. Nice. I like the the uh, product placement. Oh, no worries. I know that's what I can do. The one that I like is like the nude vodka and soda, and it's like just vodka with like the subtlest fruit. <laughs> I feel like that's done. That Sorry, I think that's alcoholic done soda done right, where it's more focused on the alcohol than the soda part. Yeah, like you taste some of them, and it's just it like you can feel the sugar aftertaste, and it's hard to it's hard to drink. Anyway, um, yeah, I've got I've got a cup of Arrowhead coffee, okay, and I've got the rest of my Virginia Black whiskey. I was working all all morning moving firewood and stuff, so uh, I'm right with you on the. I feel like on a cold day like this, something nice to warm you up on the inside, both your soul and your body, like whiskey, will be nice. It'll loosen us up for the yeah, conversation okay. too, right? Perfect. So we'll just jump right into it. You you have a podcast called Beyond the Bake Sale. I do. With, with you and Christian, yes, right? My, uh, my partner, my co-founder, a uh, good friend of mine, Christian Robillard, and I founded the podcast Beyond the Bake Sale. Um, we have been doing it since, whew, been almost two and a bit years now, but we started back in January, officially January of 2018 almost three years yes three years now okay and for those people who haven't heard of it do you want to give us a quick elevator pitch on what it is yeah sure it's really a podcast that looks to help anybody that's interested in fundraising but more specifically fundraising professionals in the charity and non uh non-for-profit sector to help elevate both their time treasure and talent that they have in their organizations Awesome. Um, so that leads me to kind of like the next question of kind of what got you interested, like that interested in fundraising? Because you have to, in order to start a podcast about something, you have to have a, a pretty big interest in it. You're not going to start a podcast on Lego and hate Lego. You're going to be interested in Lego to want to start the podcast. So what caused you to kind of be that interested in the, in the fundraising not-for-profit side of the house? So it really started with, as I mentioned previously, my fraternity brother, um, Eric Lauer. I was part of a fraternity and I still am an alumni member of it, Acacia Fraternity, Carleton Chapter at Carleton University here in Ottawa. Um, and during my time uh, as a member of the fraternity, really they focused on human service. That's really the motto of our fraternity. And so that's kind of where I really learned to gain my passion of giving back to the community, whether it be through the smallest, you know, organizing any small fundraiser or something more large on a larger scale. And so when I started really exploring that avenue, because when I was going through school, I, I was very much a big believer of kind of not only doing the studying part, but also doing the extracurricular part, because I always believe in a healthy balance in both. So being able to kind of give back to the community is something I would kind of like really want to do even as I continue to grow up. And so starting a podcast with Christian, who has been basically kind of Circle, uh, kind of focus his entire career and his entire path in the charity not-for-profit like for example he kind of grew up under the boys and girls club of um, Ontario like he was a member of the one in Ottawa and from there he really brought that passion forward and so for me me and him both were in the fraternity at the same time and after we finished our time in the fraternity we both kind of obviously stayed in touch and all that good jazz and when we sat down and we were looking at fundraising as a whole, we were like, our age group does, because it first started with addressing the young people who are going to be the future of fundraising. And we want to help them. And then it grew to, okay, how do we take this idea and we kind of put it on a broader scale? So we thought about the blog idea. And then it kind of jumped into the, uh, into the podcasting. And as that evolution of the podcast happened my growth of fundraising kept kind of evolving as well like it started from okay this is something I want to you know do as I get older then it became like I definitely want to incorporate this in my daily life and now it's just giving back to the community in whatever aspect is just second nature to me because especially during COVID when you see small businesses um, mm -hmm. you know suffering like they are if I can shop local I always talk to my fiance and I are both very much on the same path though if we can support local we're happy to support local so just like kind of, and I know the supporting local part isn't really fundraising, but really looking at immediate impact of what we can do with the central theme of all my decision-making. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the time too, when you shop local, you're you're shopping at these artisanal places where the quality of what you're buying is just you know light years ahead of the mass the mass produced stuff. I mean, if I can go get a, a bread loaf from from a local uh, a local bakery, um, it's going to be so much better than just going to Walmart and picking up a two dollar loaf of bread that's sure. been sitting on the shelf for weeks. I mean, again, um, and, and knowing that you're supporting that business with, you know, hiring that extra person for the summer or keeping their doors open for another day, you know, and my purchase won't be that much of a difference, but knowing that I'm contributing to that difference really for me, it, mm -hmm. it makes me happy knowing that I'm helping my community members out. Exactly. Exactly. So that kind of, I mean, on your, on your website, you've got, um, I think, I don't, I'm not sure if it individually or between the two of you, you've you've raised over a million dollars between the two for, of us. So for, yeah. So Christian really was responsible for about probably because he's had such a long a career. Story. He's had a, a good job. I would say probably 70 to 80% of that total is him and his career. And then I know for sure I've raised over $200,000 over the causes that I've been passionate about over my lifetime. And that's not a number to sneeze at, at all. Yeah. That's a, that's still more than he can probably ever will <laughs> raise for charity. Well, again, it's in the it, as much as I want to definitely say, I, that's a big number for me. I want to make it very clear that without the right people, without the right leadership, without the right support around each of those causes, getting to that number would have been impossible. So as much as yes, I say I raised 200,000, really what I should say is everybody I've worked with, had the pleasure with has allowed me to get to this goal. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's gotta be like one of those things where once you hit that number, it feels really cool to get yeah. there, but then you're looking and going, well, that 300,000 is just around the corner, man, right. for half. And then, so then you start getting a little bit ambitious. Like, for example, I'm a public servant as well for the government of Canada, working at Health Canada right now uh, as a communications officer and web publishing. And I was participated in the government's annual GCWCC, so the government uh, work charity campaign that they have. And mm -hmm. we were, the department as a whole was able to raise, like I was on their fundraising team for our whole department communications department um communication public affairs department and we raised uh health Canada as a whole i think around seven hundred fifty thousand dollars plus for the campaign damn so again like kind of giving back to the community and being a part of the fundraising efforts is definitely something that's very natural to me now awesome so what fundraising event or volunteering drive do you take the most pride in what's one that you look back um and and you're you're just like, that's something that that's like right now, my pinnacle, that's my, my, you know, gold star yeah. that I put that's at the top you know, on my not-for-profit uh, kind of list. I think when I worked with the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, so they do what's called a dance marathon. And pre-COVID, obviously, we, what we had is a dance marathon, which is you for a full 12 hours, you dance, you don't sit down, no, nothing like you are moving you're enjoying the event, like you're keep on your feet the whole time, right? And obviously for accessibility reasons and physical limitations, that's not a reality for everyone. And that was totally fine. We made sure to have those accommodations. But for those that were able to, you fundraise for the event. And when you come to the event for 12 hours, you're just dancing your feet off, right? And we have different mm -hmm. um, stations for people to do activities and to kind of keep them engaged throughout the day. But that happened in 2016. And it was a really, really how should I say this? It's a very enlightening experience because it really helps you understand how grateful I am for the work that Chio did, how happy we were for the impact Chio has in our community. And that for every dollar we raised, knowing that we were able to help Chio was, that was definitely like a wild moment for me. It's like, wow, we actually were able to raise as much as we did. I can get you the grand total right now because I remember, I think we raised somewhere for sure, I think it was over 10,000, but let me confirm that with you. Just give me one second, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you check that out. I'll just say thank you for that because I um, I was actually at Chio when I was, you know, 12 hours old. I was brought to Chio. Wow, really? And, and yeah, so funny kind of anecdote story. I've been full of shit my whole life. Um, when you're born, you typically kind of poop right after yeah. I had that reversed. Oh, wow. Uh, my first breath was shit. Um, for lack of a better way to put it, it went into my lungs. And my parents said that I was the biggest baby in like the uh, the post-birth care unit, whatever it's yeah. called. You get all these preemies, preemies, preemies. Then you had me as this massive child 
who was there because his his uh his lungs were a bit messy at the time so because chio did help me pull through that and uh now i can look back and joke about yeah, it yeah no for sure um, but like you know uh yeah, always that way like looking back is always easier um yeah we were actually we were successful in raising over sixteen thousand dollars for the fight against childhood diseases so yeah um our event ended up culminating in a six hour long event um we had mm-hmm. ambition to two twelve, but at the end of the day you know um just wasn't realistic because we were using carlton university and they need the venue for a different variety of other reasons so we were like that's fine so for six hours they stayed on their feet through dancing games entertainment and help to raise towards the total for the kids. That is awesome. So have you had any moments uh, fundraising where you kind of went, holy shit, I cannot believe I pulled that off or I cannot believe that worked? That's a tough one. Um, Relay for life. First time I did it. I think staying up all night Mm -hmm. to raise money and running around the track. I mean, in the morning, you're with your fellow like team members thinking, holy crap, I can't believe we all just stayed up for, you know, eight hours. So it's like, what, eight in the morning, seven in the morning? I believe you did it too, Ryan, didn't you? Relay yeah. for life? Maybe. Was that, it was part of Frosh, wasn't it? No, that was, Relay for Life was closer to January, February. Man, I cannot remember for the life of me. I did the one. It's, what's the one that you do during frog? I did that a couple times. Oh uh, no, that was Shinorama. You're thinking. You think it's Shinorama? That's what I'm remembering. Okay. Yeah. That's the one that took me because I remember the people in business suits walking by, and I'm asking if they want a free hug. <laughs> and uh, my my uncle walked up, and he's like, "I'll donate, but just don't give me a hug." And I'm like, "Whatever, that's cool." <laughs> but it was kind of fun. I like that you want a free hug, yeah. and the business guy in the suit is like, "No thanks, I'm okay." Yeah, they're like, no, I'll, I'll I'll take a hard pass on that. It's you know, seven o'clock in the morning on a Monday, and I really don't want one. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the relay for life was definitely the moment that I was like, I can't believe I made it happen. We pulled it off. That's pretty wicked, staying up all night. And does that mean that you? So I'm assuming you didn't like nap the day before. No, or you, maybe no, you tried, I tried. But... I, I napped during the day just so I can kind of keep it, keep up. But like during mm-hmm. the day, you also have class and things. So really, I didn't get much of a rest. So when you go into it, you kind of go into it, right? But at the same time, you're also you're mm-hmm. kind of like running off of adrenaline because all your friends are there. Like the cool thing about Carlton is we did it in their larger like turf area, turfed area, like like athletics area, and then they would open up the gymnasium the where you can play basketball and stuff. So mm-hmm. there was things happening all throughout the athletic facilities at Carlton, and. It was a great way to raise awareness about cancer research, about the impact of cancer research. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I had uh, one of my best friend's older brother, Sean Inch. He was diagnosed with brain cancer um, in my first years of university. And unfortunately, he passed away, no longer with us. But his memory really kind of motivates me to always, you know, help however, contribute however I can to any cancer research uh, organization. And I, I mm-hmm. believe in the work that was happening for when we did Relay for Life. So for me, and I still believe in the work they do. So supporting them was an easy cause. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially something with cancer, yeah. I think everybody has a story of at least one person that's that 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 has been kind of affected by cancer that they know personally that's gone through um, the hell that is cancer. No, 100%. I agree. Uh, yeah. It's... Yeah, so that's one of those ones that when you, you do fundraising for it, everybody's got that soft spot in their heart for it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if if the world is so big, you know, there's definitely some common causes we can all get behind. And I think cancer is one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So your website says you and Christian started the podcast due to a bad cupcake. <laughs> so I'm someone who has never met a cake I have not enjoyed. Okay. How bad was the cupcake and what else actually made you start the make you want to start the podcast? I mean, clearly the cupcake was pretty bad that I started a pub, uh, uh, podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, in reality, though, the cupcake was more symbolic of how bake sales are not like fundamentally bake sales are a very broken method of fundraising. I understand it's a very cute idea. Don't get me wrong. I'm not about to any six year old or eight year old that's hearing this. Your bake sale idea is amazing. But for the record, logistically and cost wise, like from a business perspective, it's not very efficient unless you like blow it out of the waters. Right. I think there's a very big caveat mm-hmm. of like, if your sales like 
outweigh the the cost of running the uh, the bake sale and you make X amount of profit, everything after that is obviously considered profit. So if you make a very large and you're very happy with the profit you made, all for it. But very rarely at the university level will you see a fundraiser and be like, oh my God, we've spent you know $200 on baked, like making these baked goods, the time you have to factor in because time does have a value depending on the subjective to the person, but there is a value behind the time of the work you put in. Mm-hmm. And then the cost is you have to equal each cupcake for A to be like attractive to a student who's already might be financially struggling. So you're asking any student that's already having a hard time paying their tuition. Hey, are you willing to spend $3 on a cupcake when they could spend that on beer or they could spend that on food? They could spend that on tomorrow's, right? And then you have to make enough sales that it exceeds the cost of running that fundraiser. Right. Mm-hmm. So I like the beer, the beer and coffee when you're a student. Mm-hmm. So if what other fundraising, what would you suggest if somebody was trying to do fundraising? And I mean, everybody thinks of a bake yeah. sale as kind yeah. of the, because we've done it since we were in Greek yeah, too, sure. a bake sale is to raise money. Dude, what would be some alternatives that you would suggest to the bake sale idea? Um, I think for, for yeah, I think, I think the bake sale idea. Okay. Again, the bake sale, if it's just selling baked goods, it's fundamentally problematic. If you do something added to the baked goods, we're like, Hey, like, if you donate $2 to the cause, you get to throw like, you know, you get to take away a goodies bag and get a cupcake. Like, you know what I mean? Like there has to be multi-tiered, like multi-layered approach to your fundraising, right? But if you were to think of something super simple, you can look at like some people say bingo, but I'm like bingo becomes like when you look at those gambling avenues, whether it be a raffle ticket, a bingo, that becomes turns into a whole nother monster, right? So Something super easy, something super simple I personally enjoy is when you do fundraising on social media for a birthday, right? Instead of telling people, hey, instead of donating or giving me gifts or thinking about spending money on a gift for me, donate towards the cause, right? I think now with social media playing such a front, um, like such a forward-facing role on a lot of fundraising causes because a lot of fundraising, the main platform they're using is Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And having those platforms enable mm-hmm. you and make it easier to fundraise, I think that's a really easy way to do it, especially if you go out and actually like speaking one-on-one to people and explaining why the cause is important to you, like helping find your why. I think when you go out and fundraise, regardless of what you're doing, you have to have a why. Why are you doing it? Because it's not just good enough to say, I'm doing it because I want to. You know what I mean, like there has to be a why to it. And if somebody can identify with their why, of like Nash, why do you care about cancer research? It's like actually it's affected me and it's important to me and I'm doing the best I can to, you know, raise money. And if you give me a dollar or don't give me anything, it doesn't matter. At the end of the way, that's my why. It's not going to change, right? And so that's why when you see people fundraise for the wrong reasons, they don't raise as much money. Okay, I, 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 I kind of get what you mean. You, you've got to have the passion behind it. It's like anything. Yeah, 100%. If you're not, if you're lacking in what you're doing, it's not going to matter. But if you're fundraising and you raise a dollar, that's all you can fundraise. You're going to be, you know, proud of the fact that you helped a little 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 yeah. bit um to cause that you're going like for. i think organizing events are a really great way of doing like fundraising like like some, something like a hockey pool or a basketball tournament or the ncaa right doing it amongst a small group of pool and friends and doing a 50 50 draw like very unofficially it's like something that's cool to engage mm-hmm. people with um if you're doing it in someone's memory or if you're working in partnership with organizations that already exist as some of the most Un, I can't I can't stress how important it is and how underrated it is when somebody doesn't reach out to an organization that speaks to their cause, if that makes sense, right? Like if you're genuinely interested in fundraising, look up in your local area, in your local like province, in the country, or if you're in the in an American listening, it's your county, your um, state, look at the organizations in your local area that is dedicated their, their whole organization being up to that cause. Like school breakfast program. I love giving my time to school breakfast program. I think school breakfast programs play such an integral role in a student's well-being. Like for me, I love to eat, but not eating in the morning makes me cranky, which means I don't focus when I get into class in the morning. And that over turn affects my level of engagement in the school, right? So in my studies. So for me, that's why I humbly believe that school breakfast program plays such a vital role. And the Ottawa Network for Education or ONFI does an excellent school mm-hmm. breakfast program and they have to have a million dollar every year to run the program 
right? Like it can be short. And I imagine with inflation and whatever else, that cost only grows from here, right? But for me, giving every penny and dollar I can and working with them, they are happy to back you. Um, they were happy to, like, I used that. We, sorry. When I was in the public relations program at Algonquin College, we partnered up with um, Onfi to help them with the school breakfast program. It, we did a campaign called Bring On Breakfast with Algonquin College Public Relations, or also known as ACPR. And we were able to raise on the ballpark figure of like $15,000 plus for the program, right? And it really was eye-opening for me and learning about school breakfast programs. I learned later on that my high school had one. And uh, because I was kind of curious after kind of like during the program, be like, I think I saw something like this in my high school. And I reached out to my guidance counselor. And funny enough, I don't know how it is, by the way, side note, high school teachers somehow remember you really well. I don't know how, like I have a hard time remembering what I want, what I had for breakfast yesterday. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's also kudos to them on that. Um, but they remembered me and they kind of explained to me, yeah, we have a school breakfast program. This is what we do. And, you know, it costs money, but we know the students we help, it makes a huge impact on their lives and the parents' lives. So I think school breakfast programs mm -hmm. play such a big role in a student success. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you'd say, you'd suggest if someone's listening and they're like, man, I want to raise some, raise some money. I want to catch up to Nash's 200,000 or whatever. I want to raise a dollar for, um, let's say cats and yeah. dogs, like uh, yeah. what's it called? Uh, foster pets and all that kind of stuff. You'd suggest instead of necessarily doing, trying to make an event by yourself, would you say that their time might be better spent reaching out to an organization 100%. that already does? A 1000% that kind like of working thing. partnership with an organization gives you a lot more leverage because if the organization knows that you're trying to do this and they give you like some of the times the organization will be like, okay, you want to run a 50 50 or you want to run a raffle. We have a OLG number. So for those that are not in Ontario an OLG number is like, the Ontario Gaming uh, Licensing, they provide you with an ID number that basically says the province gives you permission to raise money for X, Y, and Z, right? I don't know the specifics of it. Don't hold over me. The legislation can change between the time you hear this and when you go to your local area. But if you work with an organization, sometimes they can really help you out kind of navigating those like pitfalls of like, because the last thing you want is the government to kind of snag you on a detail that kind of your whole event hinges on and just kind of like tear it down. Right. It's very demoralizing. Mm -hmm. So working with a, with an organization, helping answer those questions, they have fundraising experts that have done this usually for like years and years. And they have a plethora of knowledge that they would love to impart on new fundraisers, especially for their cause. Right. So mm -hmm. again, if you are able to, I would highly recommend first reaching out to the organization you're passionate about and seeing if they have any ideas. Cause there might be some, cause at the end of the day, reinventing the wheel, it just consumes your time and your resources. Why not reach out to the organization and ask them, hey, I want to do this. What are your thoughts? Right. Like, for example, I wanted to think one year I thought I want to stream and raise money for, you know, children's uh, diseases, childhood diseases research. I found out about an organization called Extra Life. And that's exactly what their whole thing was about. So it's like yeah, gaming, streaming gaming? game and over 12 hours and you help to mm -hmm. raise money for the causes you care about, which is more of childhood diseases. That is wicked. I kind of know what you mean because I, I uh, this past November, my fantasy football uh, group got together and we did November and we uh, we we signed up for the actual November yep. webpage. And uh, you are right because they do send all kinds of you know tips and tricks and links, and it makes it a million times easier when someone can just you know click on your webpage and they can punch in their credit card info and donate five dollars to to whatever it is that you're volunteering, and they. They suggested, you know, hey, this year we're going to be trying to move. I think it was run, run sixty miles or move sixty minutes for. I think it was one, one man dies of suicide every sixty yeah. minutes or something. It was something, something to do with. And uh, you know, we all pledged our our, our activities per dollar. That's really cool. Um, and it made it a lot easier to track it all and uh, and that kind of thing. And it was a, a little bit more. It felt more legit saying like, hey guys, like part of November. Here's the web page. If you want to donate, donate. If you don't want to donate, that's fine. Just, you know, bring awareness to it. Um, and actually, I, th I think I did a bottle drive for that, which kind of lined up perfectly because everybody had a bunch of empties from being in quarantine for half a year. Um, and we we donated that way. But it made it way easier than having to, you know, have a an envelope full of cash that people gave. And exactly. You touched on it really well where it, like having an organization support the cause 
brings that air of legitimacy where if someone's like, I don't know if I should just give this John Doe or Jane Doe $5, you can be like, that's cool. Just donate online. You can check the website out for yourself. Right. And a lot of the time, mm -hmm. some organizations, if you really put in the effort, they'll give you the marketed branding and stuff that you can put on. Like, for example, for Movember, I remember I had, I got a box that you can like put at your work desk and people would just put in their change and stuff in there. Right. And every week I would send out an email, be like, Hey, I have the box for November. Anybody wants to donate? Here's how much we've raised so far. Right. And then at the end of it, when I make the donation, I sent a screenshot to all my team members saying, Hey, thank you all for your donation. Here is a receipt and for the transaction, just to make sure everybody's like on the level about that, you know, this money just didn't go in my pocket or any ill intent with it. Mm -hmm. Makes them feel more confident. Because then the following year, when I asked for more money, people were donating more. Like I got a 15% increase in donations in the following year when I did it because people saw, hey, Nash will give you so many receipts that will actually be annoying at one point. <laughs> yeah, he is going to ask so many times. But I, I know exactly what you mean. I think I was posting on, uh, on Instagram and Facebook and texting people very nearly almost every day just being like, hey, I put the link in my, in my, in my, uh, in my bio. Just click it. It takes you right to the page where you can see my sweet yeah, mustache. Exactly. Um, I think the white disagree on how cool the mustache But I think look. it also forces but, organizations uh, to really like hold themselves accountable that if we want fundraising to be something like, for example, like Movember, they, I think, have fundamentally done fundraising right when it comes to public engagement. Like they engage you from day one, like a 365 strategy. Like Movember just doesn't start on October 31st, right? Like for them, it's 365 mm -hmm. every single day, weekends, holidays, like it's a continuous time. So when November or when October 31st comes around, they're like, Hey, remember November? And everybody's like already signed up. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Then you get the emails, yeah. you know, a month out week saying like, Hey, yeah. get ready, shave your face and get ready yeah. to grow one um, and grow a mustache. Uh, and they even have, I think now they, they have like um, uh, they've got, they've got options or links for if, if women, I mean, women can join yeah. no matter what and fundraise for it. I think they've got kind of specific marketing materials for the women that join where they, I think you print out, a fake mustache that you post. I like post that. Because really cool. I play with it. Yeah. Um, so to switch gears a little bit, how, how did you guys start the podcast? How, how, how did it come about? I mean, we've heard you, you kind of explained what led you to want to yeah. make the podcast, all the different ideas that went into it, but like, what, what were the, the nitty gritties? I know I, I texted yeah. you two or three weeks ago, about um, about how you exactly started yeah. the podcast. Cause for someone that doesn't have, podcast for example myself uh you know how 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 the hell am i supposed to get myself out there um so what what did you guys do to so, start the podcast because you did start a couple yeah, of so the first thing said. we started actually was we gave ourselves a deadline if that's funny enough like we said that at the end of this time if we don't achieve x y and z maybe we should fold and walk away from it right and if mm -hmm. we're not willing to put in the time like i think working with christian has really made me appreciate having a um understanding appreciation and understanding how good and nice it is to have a reliable partner in any endeavor right whether it be in your life your personal relationship um whether it be in your business your your school activities whatever else having a friend you can rely on is kind of like key to any success in any endeavor that so let's just get that out of the way so christian i give him mad props major credit for everything he's done for the podcast and it wouldn't be as successful as it is if it wasn't for his efforts along with mine and getting into where it is now. And along with our current staff members of um, Depeche and Adam, who we've have brought on new staff. So again, I want to make sure that my team members get all the credit they need because it wouldn't be where it is today without their help. Now with that out of the way, how we started the podcast really boils down to, again, as I mentioned before, the, our, our experience with cupcakes <laughs> and really looking at fundraising as a whole and how can we contribute to the platform and be something that's unique, right? And really niche ourselves out. Like we understand podcast isn't a sexy topic. Like you don't see YouTube videos of like the big Instagram influencers of people being like fundraising. What do you need to know about? Like, it's not a, it's not a sexy thing to talk about, but it's a very important thing to talk about. And I think there's a lot of important voices in the sector that are doing some great work that does require exposure. And that's kind of where we first came from, where how can we make fundraising, a charity, not-for-profit, get the exposure it deserves because it's doing a lot of good. Like charity in Canada accounts to almost a $1 billion industry, 
right? So it's not a, it's not chump change that's being exchanged in these industries. Like it's a huge market and market in the sense of like, there's a lot of money, a lot of interaction, there's a lot of transactions happening. And so it's important for Canadians and for every person out there that is interested in getting involved or that makes any donation to understand where it's going and how it's happening. So that's kind of where our perspective was coming from is how do we contribute to the conversation? Then it started with, okay, let's start a website. Let's start a blog. Like, Let's start small. Let's start something that's super attainable. And then I remember pretty distinctly this. I was just hanging out and one day I get a call from Christian. And at the time we were both heavily working on like setting up the website and putting up blog items and queuing it. And Christian calls like, I have an idea. It sounds crazy, but hear me out. I was like, I was already nervous. I was in the minute, you're not a crazy person. So like when you say it, it may sound crazy, I'm already terrified. He's like, what if we did a podcast? I was like, podcast i've never done one i listen to joe rogan i enjoy podcasts yeah right so then i started me and him just delve straight into like the heavy consumption of what is a podcast like a w5h of podcasting essentially right looking at the good ones the bad ones the great ones the ugly ones and what controversy surrounds around podcasts because the thing about podcasting that people sometimes forget is that a lot of the times, most people know what they want to talk about, what they speak about. And then you have Joe Rogan, who's just like, I'm going to ask you about every question on the stun. It may come from left field and throw you off, but that's part of my show, right? So it's- Aliens. So, yeah. Exactly, right? Aliens and Alex Jones. Um, so really understanding your audience, understanding how to interview, those are things we had to learn. We had to get feedback on. Like it was definitely like, a sword being made in the sense of like you have to like metal the steel right like you're constantly going back to the drawing board being like hey that didn't work because if you for all, all all those listening in if you go to episode one and you check out now there's a stark difference in how we do things right it sounds different the quality is different but it's part of growing up with any industry right like apple didn't start with iphones from day one right they had their ups and downs and again i'm not comparing us to apple i'm just saying like any any ambition worth doing has its ups and downs and trials and errors. Um, mm-hmm. I think for, for us, so it started with the blog and then it turned into the podcast. And then we started looking at, okay, how do we spread ourselves, spread what we're saying as wide as possible? And then at the mm-hmm. time I was doing PR and I asked my professor, I was like, hey, like I'm doing a podcast and this is what we're about. And he's like, Nash, it's a great idea. I think there's definitely a market for it. What you have to keep in mind though, just like in public relations, approach, especially with your niche subject matter, approaching with a shotgun isn't going to get the job done because it's just going to spray and pray is just not going to work for you. So you have to really like fine tune to the very detail of what you want this podcast to be and who you want the listeners to be for, right? So for example, like appealing Mm -hmm. to people my age, so I'm about 30 now. So anybody 30 and younger may not be able to listen to a whole hour of someone talking about fundraising, but someone who's in the profession and who's been doing this and eating this and consuming it every single day of their life, this is their bread and butter. They would love to hear other professionals on what they're doing. And when I saw that shift in strategy mm-hmm. where you go from spray and pray to like really finding down as to here's our specific audience and here's what we want to do and convey to them. You saw listening, like listenership just go through the window of like, okay, increase by almost 200%. Because all of a sudden now who we're attracting is exactly who we're targeting. And they were very much like, okay, we did our situational analysis. We looked at the industry. We looked at professionals and we asked them, we're like, hey, if we do something like this, what do you want to listen? And they were like, all right, here's what I'm interested in. Right. And it was a lot of cold calling. And I was very fortunate because Christian had such a strong network in the industry that a lot of the guests starting off, we were able to, from his professional network, and then there were some networks I was able to get on, and then we had some mutual ones. And again, it came down to really Mm -hmm. looking at, as a whole, all these professionals that have ties to other professionals, and then really kind of like tapping on their shoulder, be like, hey, I know you're really good, your subject matter on this, can we have you on our podcast? And we were met with a lot of no's. Some people said, all right, scheduling conflict. Hey, I can't do this right now. And that's okay. But, you know, you don't stop knocking just because someone says no. You move on to the next door. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One wonder. Yeah. So podcasting really comes down to persistence, longevity, and consistency. Um, 
Like Mm -hmm. being, I know there were times where when you first start off the podcast, it's a lot of work. It's a very front heavy work, if that makes sense. Or when you're setting it up, you have to set up the website, the social media, the, the format, right? And even that changes with time as you're like getting more and more comfortable in your groove of the podcast and the style you want to project. But that changes too. And so it's a lot of mm-hmm. front load heavy work. So if you're willing to put in that time, afterwards, it gets easier because you're like, hey, I know what I'm about. I know what I'm going to ask. I have a whole methodology and scheduling of how I'm going to do my work. So really podcasting come, started went from a hobby to like almost a part-time job at times. So you have to really learn to balance, especially if you're someone that has a lot of commitments. Again, keep that in mind because when mm-hmm. if you really want podcasting to be a serious part of your life, that's something that anybody that wants to organize one has to keep in mind. It's a lot of work, but if you put in the work, I guarantee you and you're consistent with it, you will be met with success. Good to hear. Glad to hear that. I totally get what you mean though, because when I, I mean, I'm what two podcasts deep at this point, but uh, I, I realized you got to actually sit and think of questions is to get any kind of conversation going. I mean, I could sit here and just call someone and be like, Hey, you want to talk about whatever you yeah. want to talk about, but you, you need to have the, um, the cues for whoever you have on there, or if it's just you by yourself, you need to have something to kind of talk off of. Otherwise you, you could either go on a tangent and not say what you want to say. Or you might have a really awkward call that last 10 minutes. You're like, well, this podcasting shit sucks. I'm going to stop yeah. it now. Um, I, I totally feel you. I've, 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 I am going to keep doing this for as long as I can commit and do it, which is hopefully a good amount of time. And I'm sure after a year, I'm going to look back on these first couple of podcasts and go, damn, that stunk. Or wow, that's so not what exactly, it is now. Right? And it's even consistency and really keeping going with it. Yeah. And even looking back and not looking back, but having to listen to yourself talk is such an odd oh, thing to do. It. I'll tell you now, when I first I, started doing it, I hated listening to myself. But then as time went on, I get more and oh. more comfortable. And then as time went on, obviously with life, things change. You know, you want to grow a family, you're getting a house, you're buying a car, whatever. Like you have other commitments. And eventually in the podcast now, Christian does full-time interviewing because that's his forte and that's his interest. I love back-end support roles. So Kudos to all you out mm-hmm. there that do the web publishing, that do the social media. You know, you guys are equal as much heroes as the person interviewing because it's kind of hard to get the message out if you're not, if they don't have a person A to do the other things that need to be done, right? So again, that's why I give all the credit to my mm-hmm. team and my colleagues that are on the uh, Beyond the Bake Sale team because if it wasn't for them, it wouldn't be where it is today. It's like anything. When you see the the, the people like, we were talking earlier about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. When you sit there and watch the the movie, and you're like, "Wow, you know, I know the director, I know the people acting in it, I know the writer." But like, there's so many more people behind the scenes making it happen. There's somebody who designed the costume. There's somebody who sat down with the writer and went, "Okay, this doesn't make any sense I mean, because who, three movies ago, Iron Man suit up during the End Game when he puts on the liquid suit, like the nano suit. I'm just like, yo, that's a hero, man. That's the real hero because that looks awesome." All the CGI people. Speaking of Endgame, so uh, for the listeners who have no idea about this, Nash and I went to go see it on opening night, um, and it was like a Thursday, yeah, I think it was. it was. Definitely opening night. Like we were not waiting till like Saturday for the tickets to be sold out. I remember Ryan messaged you, be like, "Hey, I got a ticket. How many do you want?" And Ryan at the time said one. Little did we both realize that he should have said two. <laughs> That's what I was gonna bring up. Uh, yeah, I should have said two. I thought Thursday. You know, Leah's not going to want to spend, it was like at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. She's not going to go to bed at like, you know, two in the morning, wake up at six, go to work kind of thing. That's, that's yeah. not, that's not Leah's vibe. Um, I was 100% wrong. <laughs> and, she made you uh, pay for it, didn't she? She was very <laughs> upset with you, I imagine. Because Kayla gets upset with me now when I oh. assume she doesn't want to come to MCU movie stuff. Because she got big into it now. Like she loves mm-hmm. her superhero movies. Right. So having someone like by my side, like that enjoys MCU as much as I do. Is nice, but also it's enjoying for me to explain to her. And she's like, oh, I was like, yeah, in the comics, this happened. But like in the movies, they're doing this. Yeah, like this is why that person, yeah. you know, is that way. But Leah's been joking about it for pretty much, I'd say, the past year. She Every time we watch something Marvel or anything like that, she'll jokingly be like, you know, I think I'd understand more if I watched that game. So, so she wasn't really funny. mad. Yeah. <laughs> We finally watched it recently. We sat down and we watched we watched Endgame, and I think it was over the course of a night. We watched it, you know, before dinner, pause it, eat dinner. Cause it's a yeah, it it's is. a marathon. But uh, 
we we're watching and I pointed out, I'm like, okay, so just a heads up though, had you, you know, in the actual theater, there was a lot of people cheering at this point to the point where you can't actually hear no. what he said afterwards. No, um, after that, I'm like there's more cheering here and there's more cheering here. And she's like, that, that would have been a little annoying. Like, I'm not going to lie for me as someone who likes to hear the movie and doesn't like engage with the movie. I just like to watch it and kind of be absorbed in it. I'm like, it was, it was a bit annoying to have people, you know, screaming and stomping their feet i i was pretty hyped up like honestly like i um, don't i remember beside you girl kayla was on one side of me and when captain uh spoilers for anybody captain america uh picks <laughs> up thor's hammer like mjolnir and i lost my collective shit and i looked at kayla and kayla's like what's going on i was like you don't understand he's doing it he was trying to pick it up back in when when uh, Age of Ultron happened, it didn't work because he wasn't worthy, but now he is. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And it was, it's one thing to like, like you said, be excited about the moment. But I think after that, everybody was cheering every little thing. And I'm like, there are parts that I do yeah. want to hear though. Like you can't cheer when they're talking. Um, but yeah, that was a big moment too, because in the comics, we know that the captain can, can pick up the, pick up the hammer. So like you said, in Age of Ultron, when he, he tries and it like moves a little bit and Thor looks mm-hmm. a little off. Um, I'm like, I'm surprised they didn't have him pick it up. But uh, yeah, so Leah's finally seen Endgame. We're now going through uh, the Flash TV show. And it's kind of fun because she's trying to guess ahead of what's going to happen. And I'm like, ooh, I really don't want to spoil it for you, but you're close. So, like, you're I never close. got to the DC uh, TV universe. That's after Arrow, if that makes sense. Like I got into Arrow up to like season three. Yeah, season three, end of season three. Didn't get into season four. And then yeah. Infinite Crisis was really cool because they brought, like I was a huge fan of Smallville growing up. So when I saw that Clark Kent mm-hmm. come back from Smallville, I was like, oh my God, there's a lot of TV to watch and I don't feel like catching up. So I'm going to go on YouTube and just see the clips of the Smallville Clark doing his thing, right? That was like the biggest ensemble of uh, casting that happened for such a TV show. But also seeing the guy from Two and a Half Men try to be Lex Luthor, I was like, I can't take you seriously, man. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, Arrow was really good. I liked it up to the about season three, I think the end of season three. After that, it gets a, it gets little, a little wonky. It's it's the, the CW. CW universe, and it's like yeah, everybody it's dies, be... but nobody really dies because they they come back, and you're like, so you're almost the same character, but not because you came from a different universe. It's just basic comic logic, right? Or like, oh no, Batman died. He's like, not really. We went to Bat- Earth like seventy five and got back a new Batman who's almost the exact same Batman, and you're like, so Batman didn't die. He did, but we replaced yeah. him with an identical. It was, it was all- so you're like, you just cheated. Yeah, like there's there's one point in Arrow where someone gets lit up by a machine gun. Wow, you know, for half a season can't yeah. walk properly, and then after that can walk again. I'm like, I, I, you know, I suspend my disbelief for so long, but like, I, I didn't want to be that guy. But like, you got lit up by a machine gun, and this other character got shot once. That character died. You got lit up by a machine gun and did not die. It's it's frustrating, but yeah, it's kind of cool how they tied it all in. And I heard that there was um, rumors that. Uh, the DC universe in movies is just going, they're just going to say, you know, screw it, we're doing the multiverse, uh, let people be confused. <laughs> yeah. And that, because the Flash show is personally my favorite Flash that I've seen on TV or movies. Um, he's just fun, and they were able to develop the character so much compared to the the movie yeah. Flash yeah. that uh, it's a shame yeah. that and even, even the Green Arrow on the TV is a very minor character, well, not minor character, but he's not as well known as, say, Batman, but they fleshed him out so well that it was a shame that he wasn't able to be brought into kind of like the movies because he's a really cool character in the TV think, shows and a I very interesting MCU character. He was doing various MCC, yeah, sorry, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing something very similar where they're looking at their Marvel TV shows. Like Daredevil on Netflix is coming to the Spider Man movie to play as Daredevil, right? I think same as they're, everybody's making the petition for Punisher. I'm not sure if that's been confirmed yet. But I know for sure Daredevil has been casted to play a role, whether it be a very brief one, as the Punisher in the newest Spider-Man movie coming out. That'll have the Tobey Maguire, the Andrew Garfield, the Tom Holland. I think it's the whole multiverse thing. I was going to say, I'm like, I was going to ask if that's been confirmed. But yeah, that new Spider-Man movie is going to be... star-studded. Hang on. Now I'm just curious. Now I've got to see who's in this cast so far. Like, And like... So I think they said they're going to bring in the the good Venom, um, but it'd be interesting if they bring uh, that seventy oh, show. Oh God, Venom as no, well. not not him, not him. <laughs> Everything I've been watching that seventy show for like fun whenever I want something like to have in the background, and man, it's hilarious. But at the same time, I keep thinking of him being like, "You're not Venom, no man, no way." 
he doesn't have the build for it, unfortunately. Um, Venom was always like massive dude, and then all of a sudden in that movie, Venom was 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 essentially black suit Spider Man, um, and it was odd. But yeah, that Marvel that that new Spider Man movie is gonna be pretty. Yeah, intense. apparently like. Um, Dr. Um, Octavius from Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire, he's going to be in it as a villain, right? Jamie Foxx is going to be in it as Electro. Um, like, I'm looking through all these names, I'm just like, holy crap, there's a lot of big names. Did they mention anything about the Green Goblin? Great question, I gotta look. Uh... I don't think, I don't think he died in the original Spider-Man. I think one of them. I kind of hope I you have you watched Dare, you've watched Daredevil on um, Marvel, haven't you? Like the one on Netflix. Don't hate me. I think I've watched an episode or two. Okay. I haven't watched. You the whole should thing. watch it only because the portrayal of Kingpin by what's his name already. Um, so I forget his name off the top of my head, but he is probably the best rendition of Kingpin I've ever seen. Like I genuinely believe he is the he's like. The equivalent of, you know, when you think of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, like, I think of this mm-hmm. guy will forever be in my mind seared as the Kingpin because he got the acting down so on point. What's like the, is it Jonah Jameson yes. from yes. Spider-Man? Yes, he will forever yeah. be Jonah J. Jameson to me. I 100% agree. There's just some people who are so good at it, like Benedict Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange made the perfect role for him, yep. right? I think he killed it out of the park. For me, Tom Holland, I think Andrew Garfield, and I forget which YouTube video said it best, but like I think Andrew Garfield is too cool to be Peter Parker, if that makes sense. Like he never played the whole nerdy mm-hmm. role well in my eyes. Cause I'm like, you're a super hip kid that can skateboard. You're like, I can't take you seriously. Peter Parker was never that coordinated in the comics. <laughs> yeah. I liked with Tom Holland, I like that it was a young, like it looked like someone who was actually. Like he's a young looking dude to begin with, but he did look like 14 when he first got this. Like he didn't look, the other Spider-Mans looked so much older that I'm, I'm, I'm like, you don't look like you should be in the high school as a student. You don't look like you're, you know, as young as Spider-Man was in the comics. But with Tom Holland, it was almost like, yeah, that that is a kid still. And he's, he is still in high school. Um, just he's got that kind of baby face, but it was kind of cool to see Spider-Man as a young kid and look like a young kid. And like you said, be this be the peter parker that you know from the comics where he's like an, a nerd like a nerdy uh uncoordinated lovable goof for lack of a better way to put it but um those of us who really really enjoyed going to chemistry class and physics class in high school all the way through can can identify with them pretty well yeah i think it all really comes so i do have another question the movies in terms of like i'm just excited to see what the next phase of the marvel universe is gonna be because all the origin movies kind of did their job of like introducing the characters and now it's for the really diehard comic fans mm-hmm. that like that read more beyond the origin stuff that are like oh wow they're bringing in you know spider-man 3 with the multiverse and they're doing this and that so we'll see what happens yeah but it's like even i think in the dc universe they, they are talking about a flashpoint movie where you have batmans and like like all the batmans from like the past however many years there's been batman movies where they just say, you know what, screw it. We're just going to make it so that, um, who is it? Yep. Michael Keaton, I think it was, was supposed to be coming in back as Batman for a little bit, um, would which would be cool. cool. But uh, anyway, so another thing I like, I, I was going to say, I like to ask all the guests on my podcast. Mm-hmm. You're the second one. So I, if I've asked any questions twice, I've asked all the guests. Have you read any good books lately? And have do you recommend anybody, any, any book specifically mm-hmm. that you recommend anybody, specifically even me? I'm always looking for another book. Let me make sure I get the name right on this one because I want to make sure I spell it right. So I've been reading right now Unmarketing by Scott Stratton, which is basically because I'm I'm Mm -hmm. in the field of communications and public relations. I've been consuming a lot of comms books and Unmarketing by Scott Stratton, I think is really um, a good way of looking at the landscape that's evolved that's in communications and branding. And so I recommend it. Anybody that's interested in the comps field, if you're not, if you just want to see what a sneak peek of what the comps field looks like and what the industry people are talking about of how to brand your organization, what are some misconceptions, what are some things that we're doing that we've held a strong belief on, but has changed due to the landscape changing with social media and whatever else. This is an amazing book. Scott did an awesome time um, when he like explained it to us because he came in as a guest at our uh, Algonquin College public relations class. He kind of spoke to us through video conference. 
and he was kind enough to offer us all um, a free copy of the book. So we were able to, like, he offered, I think, like, three copies of the book to the class, and then I read a bit of it, and I kind of got hooked, so I bought my own copy. And every once in a while, I reread it just to, like, kind of get my brain going again, especially during COVID. I feel like I haven't been able to kind of exercise the brain muscles as much as I wanted to, to be in the workplace. So I've been trying to do mm-hmm. that through my readings. Nice. Yeah, I, I totally get you. I, uh, I've had meditations by Marcus Aurelius, the, nice. the old, oh, old school, very old school. Emperor on my, yeah, 2000 years, I think. Uh, on my book site table forever, my uncle gave it to me a couple of years ago to read and I just haven't got around reading it. And I finally started look like, you know, reading it a little bit. Um, and that kind of got me into stoicism as a philosophy and reading more about that. So I, I get what you mean. The, you kind of, the first couple of months, it felt like my brain was turning to mush and thank God I've got books because um, it, it gave me a, like you said, exercising the brain muscle really, really helps. And it's kind of cool too. Like I've, I've been reading not even just like nonfiction books that are super informative, but like fiction books, like game of Thrones. Uh, I've got into the James Bond series recently. Um, it gets you out of the four walls yeah. that we're stuck in right now. Unfortunately, even if it wasn't, lockdown i mean it's winter no one really gets out in winter yeah, anyway. for, for so, context it's minus 24 here in ottawa canada so i'm not going out anywhere degree celsius <laughs> by the way for those listening dumped on snow a couple times i think minus 24 is pretty pretty standard whether you use fahrenheit or celsius cool. it's cold yeah, that's, a, that's, um, that's a sentiment we don't agree on but uh but yeah having kind of those fiction books to get out of the walls that you're stuck in like we've got the lockdown going on now in ontario but uh you can't really go out and see people and have, you know, actual coffee chats or board game nights face to face and stuff like that. Having a fiction book that you can kind of grab with a cup of uh, a cup of hot chocolate on a cold winter night and you can escape not being able to go down south in the, the sun or something like that and just get out of it for a little bit um, and escape the reality that is, you know, the COVID landscape we're in uh, and forget about it for even an hour. Is, it's kind of nice to get out of yep. out of my own head. 100%. It that makes a lot of sense. So do you have any places that people can go to for Beyond the Bake Sale or anything else you want to give a shout out to? That <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I'll have to give my the default plug. So for thank you again, Ryan, for uh, for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to see where it goes. Um, and I'm happy to always provide any guidance, any advice, any, you know, shout out any tips. If anybody wants to find out more about Beyond the Bake Sale, what we do, check out our website at BTBS. .ca. Again, that's btbs.ca. You can find us at on Instagram at beyond underscore bake sale. And then you can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and it will lead us all, it will lead you all to the webpage and you can kind of check out on all our platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Google FM, um, Apple, and hopefully you give us a listen and give us a chance. And if not, that's okay. I'm happy to, you know, always answer questions. If you guys have any, you can find me on my uh, Twitter handle at Mr. Nash Mendez. And shoot me a tweet. I'll be happy to answer any of your questions. Awesome. So I thank you for for joining me on the podcast. Um, and we will have to have you on again to talk about specifically the Marvel Universe uh, and all that kind of stuff and really get deep into that. Chat. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions about anything you heard this episode, by all means, please shoot me a message. Uh, you can do it on Instagram. You can drop me a voicemail on the Anchor app, um, or you can even go check out the Instagram page. And on the picture of Nash with his with his drink, uh, in the description there, in the caption, there's, there's a link to be on the bake sale if you want to go check that out as well. I do really recommend it. Um, it's, it's not quite the same format it's a little bit more geared as he mentioned it's geared more towards the professionals and the not-profit the not-for-profit world but uh it's it's still there's still some good good information in those in those episodes that you can get yourself especially um if you're doing things like fundraising for your kids sports teams i remember doing that a lot growing up and playing quite a bit of hockey um we seem to always be fundraising and we were always going to the same people to to strip the five dollars you know, you had your list of maybe 30 people that'd be willing to pitch in $2 for chocolate and you'd go hit them up every year um, to be able to go to tournaments or the parents would have to scrap together money in excess of what they were paying to have you play. So if, if you've got kids, um, 
doing fundraising and stuff like that, by all means, go check them out. You can always shoot them a message and ask them questions. They have a lot of information. On that note, have a great week, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Yeah.